0: I'm proving that, yes, I can click this button on this machine, or I can unload this truck on the forklift. I like the mindset of, well, I don't necessarily know, but I'm going to try. I've learned how to drive a a scissor lift and things like that, things I never would have learned had I not been here, and I'm so thankful that I did get to learn those things.
1: This is the Women of American Manufacturing Podcast where we highlight female leaders and influencers who are revolutionizing the industry. In every episode, we explore each guest's journey into manufacturing, their vision for the future of American manufacturing, and the innovation, creativity, and communication that they bring to the industry. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Women of American Manufacturing podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Athanasiou, and really excited to welcome a new guest here today, Grace Teague.
0: Thank you, Lindsay. I'm excited to be here.
1: I'm so glad you joined. Happy to uh, have this conversation on a sunny Friday out here in Boston. So you're joining us all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma, today, and I'd love for you to share where you work out there and what you do.
0: Yeah. So... I work at Green Country Aircraft. We manufacture aircraft components. I'm the project manager out here. I'm trying to invoke change and better productivity.
1: Awesome. I'm excited for you to share that excitement with our guests. Tell me about how you entered into the manufacturing industry.
0: My parents bought a small company in 2003, and they started with one press break with a loan from my grandma. They had one customer. They bought Green Country in 2007. I really grew up in the industry, and I wouldn't want it any other way.
1: That's awesome. I I love hearing those family stories. From that time that that loan happened and the press break was purchased to now, how much have you guys grown?
0: Yeah, so when my parents first bought their company, we started with about 25 employees. Now we have 45 plus or minus a couple um, and we love every single one of them. They do a great job. They work very hard and we're very thankful for them.
1: So that's that's almost double in under 20 years, if my math is right.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: That's really cool. I mean, to be a part of that, that's that's awesome. So when you first started working for your parents, what type of role were you in and what type of roles have you had since then?
0: When I first started, I was pretty young and so I wasn't doing any big heavy lifting or things like that. I started as a receptionist. I've worked as a file clerk and office assistant. I worked as a shipping clerk, moved up to the shipping manager. I've worked in assembly. I've worked in planning and scheduling. And now my current role is the project manager.
1: That's a long list. (laughs) Kind of amazing. Um, So you've basically seen like every little corner of the business at this point.
0: Yes, there are very few things that I don't know how to do. I'm usually the one that people call if there's a question or if something needs to happen, I'm I'm the one.
1: Very cool. I love it. So you mentioned that you love your role as project manager now. What other roles within that long list did you really like and why? I really, really loved working in
0: assembly. I've always loved small things and putting things together. As a kid, I always did Legos. And took them apart, put them back together and took them apart and put them back together. And so working in assembly was very, very fun for me and learning how to read drawings and things like that, as well as being the shipping manager and learning how to manage people and encourage them and teach them in the way that works for their brains, not only for mine.
1: So, Grace, in those in those roles in assemblies and in the shipping department, Um, What were the things that you did, you know, really put your stamp on, right, that you're proud of, um, that allowed you to kind of move into a new role and, and look back and say, all right, I'm really glad I did that. I loved that. And here's the impact I had.
0: I feel like in shipping, I made the most impactful changes because I was in that department for the longest. I implemented organizational changes to where, you know, you weren't searching for something that you didn't need to be searching for. We implemented bin systems and we cleaned up our inventory area. We also instilled the mindset that we will always be ready. There's nothing that we're not going to be ready for. In, in our delivery vans, we added pens and paper. You know, During COVID, we added masks to the van so that a driver would never go out without a mask. And we had extra boxes and things like that in there. Before I was the manager, we had the thinking that, you know, we'll just ask the UPS driver to wait for us. You know, we have one more box. You can just wait for five minutes while we do this box. Whenever I was back there, that was not the case whatsoever. It was never, okay, hey man, can you wait for, for two minutes while we got this box? It's, I'm sorry that we weren't ready. And now one of us is gonna have to take it and drop it off. And so that helped us be more productive throughout the day. We were working harder for longer And then at the end of the day, you know, we could leave on time because we were working so hard in the beginning and throughout the whole day.
1: I love that. I love that. Just like ultimate accountability.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: That's cool. And so you were a manager at that time, correct? Yes, I was the shipping manager
0: and the shipping lead.
1: And a, a pretty young one, right?
0: Yes, I was only 19. Whenever I became the shipping lead, I had Little to no experience other than what my parents had taught me and talked about at the dinner table and things like that growing up. That was all I knew.
1: Right. So tell us more. I mean, that's so young to be a manager of anything or anyone, but then to be, you know, in a manufacturing business that's growing rapidly, you know, you're, you you carry, carry weight, I'm sure, of like, this is my family's business. I need to help make it successful. I'm a part of this. And you're managing people that, were they like twice your age, even more?
0: Yes. So that, that was very difficult for me in the beginning. I didn't, I had no management experience. I was very fortunate in the fact that all of my siblings at the time were working at Green Country. I had my older sister, my older brother, both of my parents and my younger brother. But I was able to ask them questions. How do I respond to this situation? How best can I handle this? Can you please tell me? How I, can, how I could have done this better, and things like that. And so I really had a huge learning curve in the beginning because I hadn't. I was so young, and I hadn't managed anyone ever in my life. But having my family close by and walking up to the next building and being able to ask the question, okay, this just happened. Can you tell me how I could react to this in the most effective way to get my point across how I want to?
1: Yeah, that's awesome to have that support network just kind of built into the fabric of, of every day, because that that's daunting. I mean, when you were given that opportunity, did you immediately grab it? Or was there a, a, a pause and a hesitation? I would have been so nervous for that.
0: Well, actually, there, there was no hesitation at all. I was begging to be the shipping manager. I saw so many things that I wanted to change so badly, but because I wasn't the manager, I wasn't able to do so. And I was just every single day, can I please, this is what I would be doing if I was the manager. This is how I would do it different. And while I did make mistakes after I became the manager, I learned so much in such a short period of time that then I was able to implement the changes that I really wanted to make when I needed to implement them.
1: You're like, let me add it. Like, <laughs> I need for to sure. help That's this. Exactly how it <laughs> That's so cool. Good for you. I mean, it's it's amazing when you can, at a young age, not feel that fear. And I think it's it's something we talk about a lot on this podcast. Actually, it's like this imposter syndrome mentality that is really common for women. And for you to just recognize there was a huge opportunity, and you knew you could help make it better and improve the overall business as a result. And you did it, right? So why did you pivot out of that? If you were so successful and and learning a lot, you moved on to your current role. Is that right?
0: I actually went to assembly. I just, I felt like I wanted to learn more about, more about the manufacturing. So I hired on someone and I trained them up and I really had, have faith in them. They're still the manager to this day and, and they do a great job. So I wanted to go to assembly so that I could learn more about the manufacturing side of things. I wanted to learn how the parts were actually made. I obviously knew how to package the parts that were already made, but I wanted to learn how to actually make the parts.
1: So from assemblies, you know, that then led into your current role and when we first spoke, you talked a little bit about how again, you were just seeing all these these not necessarily problems, but inefficiencies and opportunities for improvement around you. And you just kind of told your family, hey, I want to do this. So not not too dissimilar from like wanting to be in the shipping manager role, right? Uh, You just kind of created your own destiny. And now that's the role you're in.
0: That's exactly what happened. We actually didn't have this position at Green Country when I wanted to become the projects manager. I came up with the position title and I came up with the job description. I typed it out. And I put it on my older brother's desk. He's the operations manager and my dad's desk. And they, they slept on it for about a month. And one day my mom called me. and She said, you got the job. You did it.
1: That's awesome. I love that. So what are you working on right now?
0: Well, I've got a couple projects going. We're installing some stairs in our facility to lead our upstairs offices straight out to the shop floor for easier access to the shop floor and all the men out there. We just wrapped up a concrete project. We got some concrete in our yard between our buildings. That's a big game changer. It's going to be really nice to have that. And I'm currently working, my biggest project so far is blowing out our entire building two and building three to add a more Six Sigma lean mindset to that building and being able to thin it out and make it into a layout that makes sense for the departments that are in those buildings.
1: That sounds like a big undertaking. It definitely is. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something that the business already had identified? Or is that yet another thing that you saw that it was like, all right, this is something we should go do. I'm going to do it.
0: Well, because I was the shipping manager, I saw the need for a better inventory system. And It was very, very frustrating to me having to weave through the shelves in the numbering system that didn't necessarily make sense. So it's something that you had to kind of, it was tribal knowledge. You had to learn it. And once you did learn it, it made sense. But for anybody new that was going back there or for somebody in the offices that was going to look for parts, they didn't know where to look. So my idea is to lean it out, take out the inventory that we may not sell and put it into you know storage containers or something like that and then add shelving to the ceiling add, brighten it up knock it down and have it a very open warehouse feel than it is right now
1: so ap- applying like the lean and six Sigma methodology to that while you're building it I imagine that's a little bit easier than like retroactively applying those to something that already exists.
0: That is exactly how it is. So I've got, in my office, I have an entire wall that has graph paper on it. And I've got two scaled graph of the entire building, of the front building and of the yard between. I've got the shelves to scale and I move it around and run through in my head. Okay, how is this going to work? And does this make sense? How many times am I going to have to go to this spot and back? Should I move it? Things like that.
1: Lean and Six Sigma I hear maybe like 50% of the time in conversations with manufacturers, some are like all about it and some have yet to even learn about it or learn why it's important and maybe they should be adopting these practices in their business. How did you stumble upon it? How did you, you know, get training? Um, Was this something that already was important to Green Country Aircraft?
0: So I don't have any training, formal training at all in Lean or Six Sigma. It was actually one of my very first projects was to educate myself on the two ways of manufacturing. And so I spent two or three hours a day at the end of every day just reading and watching YouTube videos and and learning as much as I possibly could about it so that I could implement it. And I won't say that. In every single department that we have, it really makes sense to implement Lean, but in some departments, it will be a drastic change. And I do think that more people should know about it and consider it, but it's not for everyone and it won't work for every single manufacturing company. That's for sure.
1: So for anyone who is listening now and and they're like, all right, yeah, I really gotta dive into that stuff. um, How should they get started?
0: I would recommend just a simple Google search. Click on the first link, read through it, and then from there you can tailor your searches. You know, you'll find something, okay, well, what does that mean? Open up a new tab and Google that. And just the power of the internet is so vast, and being able to utilize that to your fullest capabilities is something that people should realize is available to them more.
1: Right, and you don't need an actual certification or degree or certificate, right, to to use it in the business. And you could watch a video tonight that you could then learn something from and implement tomorrow. Um, You know, you don't need to have letters after your name to become an expert in something. And that's that's kind of the beauty of the internet.
0: Exactly. A quick Google search or a YouTube video, or like you said, you can learn so much online nowadays that you don't have to have a degree in lean or be certified to implement it anybody can do it as long as you you know do your research and do your homework you know you can learn so much
1: so you're saying don't just read the wikipedia article on lean
0: i would say definitely not i would say it's something that, <laughs> it's something that is so interesting whenever you really get into it and you know, there's so many articles about it that you really can dive into it and just keep on going. There's so much information on there and so many different perspectives and point of views that I still haven't learned everything. And I am still learning every single day something new about lean or about Six Sigma or about implementing either one of those.
1: So, do you often find yourself in like a lean or Six Sigma rabbit hole, <laughs> just like 20 tabs open, <laughs> like <laughs> eyes yes, glazed sure. over? <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's my computer says I have too many tabs open on occasion. It's wait a second, you have this many tabs, you you can't open another one, you need to delete some I'm like, wait a second, I need to go back and look at those at some point.
1: That's really funny. <laughs> so I'm gonna pivot a little bit. You're the daughter of owners of a business and you've been in the business for a long time. I'm sure there's been Awesome. Awesome stuff to happen. Great experiences you wouldn't trade for the world. And I'm sure there have been challenges along the way, especially in your role as a very young manager. So, tell us what have been the high points of working at a family business, being the the kid the kid of the owners, and what have been some of the struggles?
0: I would say a high point is being able to prove to people that I can do it. That I'm not here just because of my parents, I'm proving that yes, I can click this button on this machine or I can unload this truck on the forklift. I like the mindset of, well, I don't necessarily know, but I'm going to try. I've learned how to drive a a scissor lift and things like that, things that I never would have learned had I not been here and I'm so thankful that I did get to learn those things. Not necessarily that I'll use them after if I leave here, but I know how to do it if I ever need to.
1: What have some of the challenges been maybe as a, as a young leader and, you know, has the fact that you are, you know, the daughter of the owners created additional challenges for you?
0: I don't know necessarily that being the owner's daughter has created more challenges for me. It's made me definitely feel like I need to prove myself more. I feel like I, I need to work just as hard, if not harder than anybody else in the shop to prove that I'm here for a reason and that I have earned my spot here. I'm not just here because my parents are the owners. I'm here because I work hard every single day and I stay late and I get up early and I'm here and I'm dedicated to my position in making a difference in the company.
1: I feel like we could just end the episode there. That was (laughs) such a great answer. (laughs) I love that. I'm all jazzed up now. That's awesome, Grace. Thank you. You mentioned you're you're doing a lot of like physical space projects right now, physical space improvement, applying lean and six sigma to inventory management, things like that, which is awesome. And I know you guys also just made an investment in some new technology, is that right?
0: That is correct. We we made an investment in paperless parts and we are so happy with the decision. It's made our quoting process 10 times easier and our turnaround time so much faster. And we're hoping that in the next couple of years with our relationship with paperless parts, that our revenue doubles.
1: Whoa, that's fantastic. We love when our customers have really ambitious goals. That is so cool. So were you involved in the selection of paperless parts, Grace? Being the projects
0: manager, this is almost exactly my job description was finding something that would help us be more efficient. And so whenever we chose Paperless Parts, I was in the first few calls with everybody on the Paperless Parts team. And after the meetings, I remember just sitting up in the conference room saying, this is a game changer. This is going to change our business and for the better. And we were so pumped about it. And everybody was so excited.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, as as like the resident problem solver, I'll call you. It's definitely like flattering for us to hear that you you felt that way from early on. And since you guys have implemented it, you you are you mentioned you're already seeing faster quote turnaround times, what like downstream effects from that are you most excited about other than the crazy awesome growth you're expecting?
0: So, downstream of paperless parts, we're really excited about the integration with our ERP system. So right now, along with being the projects manager, I'm also working on repeat part planning. So that makes my job a ton easier. So I don't have to go in and make all the routing and everything like that. All I have to do is go in and put the verbiage in that is going to go on our work orders. So that makes my job a ton easier, and I'm super excited about that, especially after I step out of my role in planning and I can pass this on to the next planner.
1: Well, thank you for being a paperless parts champion at Green Country Aircraft and being so intimately involved during the implementation. We're we're psyched to watch you guys grow with these tools at your fingertips. Uh, and full disclosure to our listeners, the first few times Grace and I chatted, we actually didn't talk at all about paperless parts. <laughs> so I actually didn't know until now just how involved she was. So Grace, in terms of you know your learnings, like you you've been in manufacturing pretty much your whole life, right? I'm sure you've interacted with a ton of other companies as your vendors, your customers, partners. Um, I don't know if you attend conferences and meet you know, even competitors, things like that. Um, but what what do you think is like a commonly held misperception in the industry that you would like to dispel?
0: I would say that anytime I tell my friends I work in a machine shop, they always think, oh, wow, like you must have to come home and shower. You must be so dirty all the time working in a machine shop. And it makes me so annoyed. I don't want people to think that that's the case. You know, whenever you think about a machine shop, I think oftentimes you see these guys that are super dirty. They got oil all over their hands, and, and that's not the case. Our shop is bright. It's light. It's clean. We have super nice people that work here. And, and I think that that is something that we need to change about the manufacturing industry is that it's not always like that. You know, we have beautiful people that work here and they work hard and and we appreciate them so much and they're not just gruff old guys that are working a machine
1: i i hear this answer all the time and a few of my guests have like we've just concluded it's a marketing issue like we just need to we need to get like nbc and abc and hbo and like everyone to just start airing commercials about like the the true nature of american manufacturers and what it actually looks like inside shops and and sort of what goes hand in hand in that is like this highly technical skill set as well that so many people in manufacturing have that kind of sometimes I think can get looked over
0: exactly, exactly.
1: Grace, as project manager, you you're just like a problem solver. So you've been doing that for a long time at, at Green Country Aircraft. I'm curious in assemblies, you know what you're able to do. You already chatted a little bit about um, what you were able to do in shipping. What were some of the problems you found in that area of the business and worked to solve?
0: So one of the problems that I identified while I was working in that department was our setup and run times. We took a very long time to set up, to print out our certifications for all of the material that we were going to assemble onto the parts and actually running the parts. I found that whenever you set up, you know, you have a job of 10 parts and you set up all the hardware on every single part before you start actually installing it, that made it so much faster because you weren't going back and forth between doing one thing and then doing another thing. It was all one thing and then all the next thing, and that made the process go by it so much quicker. And then if you had something like a paint or a primer that needed to be put on the parts, you could do that at the end and then start a new job. Then you're knocking out two jobs at once, and then you can bring them both Up front, you know, to get inspected and checked before they sent out to the customer. So I think that that was one of the bigger things that I did while I was back there is just editing and streamlining our processes back in assembly.
1: And just like in shipping, you trained someone up so they could take your role. Did you also do something similar to that in assemblies? So whenever I was
0: in assembly, we were super, super busy in that department. That department kind of fluctuates with the volume of parts going in and out of it. So whenever I was back there I was with one other person and really that's all that you need in that department. You can knock out quite a bit with two people back there. Whenever I left and became the project manager we actually didn't need a second person back there at the time. Currently there is a second person. Our volume has gone up again and I believe that it will be pretty steady from here on out back there in that department. But um, to answer your question, no I didn't have to train anyone but I could go back there and train someone if I needed to today.
1: No big deal. (laughs) Just able to train anyone in any area of the business. It's so badass. I love it. You kind of, I think, already answered this, but I'm curious if there's anything else that maybe um, we left off the table. You know, you guys are using Lean and Six Sigma, and I consider that to be very innovative. You know, you're kind of leading really important change in in not just like actual day-to-day operations, but like business philosophy, right? Like your Green Country Aircraft's approach to how they manufacture parts. Um, What else are you guys doing that you would consider to be innovative or leading you guys into Industry 4.0?
0: I would say that our most recent and biggest change in that was actually investing in paperless parts. That was our next big step, I think. Right now, we're working on a lot of cosmetic things around Green Country to make our work environment better. So like I was saying with the concrete, and we're installing new lighting and changing our setup in our machine shop so that it makes more sense. We're making a lot of capital investments on new machines that run faster and and Lower runtimes, but as far as leading into Industry 4.0, we're focusing on building a sense of community between ourselves and our employees and with our customers. And I think that that's something that has been left out for so long. It's the sense of community within the manufacturing industry, and we're we're trying to build that back, especially after COVID and not being able to visit our customers and go on trade shows and things like that. Being able to have one-on-one conversations with our customers, whether that be over the phone, over Zoom or something of that nature. We're changing the idea that email is all that we have. We're changing the idea that if you want to talk, we have to fly out there or drive out there. We're we're meeting with customers more often because of that.
1: I love that. That's, that's a philosophy, it seems like, so many manufacturers are, are adopting now and just so many businesses in general, because we all learned this lesson during COVID, that that personal connection is so valuable and important um, and really needed if, if you want to nurture relationships that are going to take your business to the next level and, you know, hopefully refer you to more people and, and you know, build, build a company, a reputation that will carry it 50 more years, if not longer. Um, and on that note, I don't want you to like show all your cards here because I assume, you know, everyone at Green Country is going to listen to this episode. Um, but what, what's in store for you, Grace? Like you've already learned so much in manufacturing world. Where do you see yourself in 10, 20 years?
0: Well, I tell a lot of people that I want to run this place one day. So I, that is my goal. I have so, so much to learn. And I know that I'm far from the amount of knowledge that I would need to have to actually run this place, you know? But that is the goal. I'm learning how to inspect parts. I'm learning how to run machines, how to keep the shop clean and organized. And those are just little things. They sound like little things, but they add up to be something huge. I'm learning how to communicate better and more effectively with customers, with my coworkers and things like that. And that those things add add up to be a lot
1: shoot for the stars. Like (laughs) you should absolutely work to do that. And I'm sure your family will support it. It sounds like you have just uh, helped them crush it. Final serious question before we get a little fun with it. What is, what does it mean to you to be a woman in manufacturing?
0: To me, I think it means that I'm leading change in an industry that is so primarily led by men, Um, bringing a different perspective and a more, not necessarily personal, but also more personal perspective to things with, not only my coworkers, but our customers and with our vendors and things like that, getting on a personal level with them asking how their day was and making sure, you know, everything in their life is going well.
1: All right. So I know you've listened to a few episodes, Grace. You probably are familiar with our rapid fire questions. So I'm just going to ask the question. And give me the first thing that pops into your brain. All right.
0: All right. I'm ready.
1: Cool. So, who is one famous person you wish would work in manufacturing with you?
0: Kevin James, for sure, Mall Cop. He would be so fun to, to work with. I
1: did not expect that, and that is, that is a delightful answer. That yeah. is that is just as good as last the last guest I had, who said Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> that's hilarious I there's a stand-up routine of Kevin James's from like the early 2000s that I regularly like search for on YouTube because there are some bits from it that I will never forget it's just like seared in my brain um he's he's one of my favorite comedians so that's really funny that that just came up
0: (laughs) yes yes he's so funny I love him
1: King of Queens is a very underrated sitcom
0: oh yeah I agree
1: glad we established this okay next question what's your favorite blog or podcast?
0: I would say Crime Junkies. I'm a fiend for true crime. It is so good. I wish they came out with more episodes.
1: (laughs) What's the last movie you saw?
0: The Wrong Missy on Netflix. Any good? If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it.
1: All right. That's a ringing endorsement. Uh, Do you have a pet?
0: I have a lot of pets. I have a cat named Ash. I have two hamsters named Harry and Henry. And I have a very large fish tank full of lots of fish. (laughs)
1: Very cool. You're you're busy at work and busy at home apparently.
0: Yes, of course.
1: What's the last vacation you took?
0: I went on a girls trip with my mom last weekend to Kansas City, but before that I went skiing in Colorado.
1: Nice. Oh, are you down downhill?
0: Yes, I love downhill skiing. Me
1: too. Where in Colorado?
0: Um, I go pretty much anywhere
1: make the rounds that's awesome yes I've been trying to get out there for years and weather keeps hampering me
0: uh, you, you need to make it out there
1: I know I know it's I mean we have pretty good skiing up here in the northeast but like everyone who's out there or like from the northeast who goes out there it's like you know it's, it just doesn't compare and I'm like well then I don't really want it to ruin the northeast for me if it's that much better
0: it's amazing it's amazing I promise
1: <laughs> so what's your favorite food
0: spaghetti and garlic bread hands down no meatballs no meatballs, red sauce only, and garlic bread.
1: That's great. I love that answer. <laughs> Finally, but uh, not least important, what is the number one reason why more women should work in manufacturing?
0: I think that more women should be in manufacturing because we can bring a different point of view to the table, whether that be in a meeting or on a phone call or a conference call. I think that you know having women in the manufacturing industry is important because we can bring empathy and be very understanding with people and where they're coming from and the problems that they bring to the table and being able to come up with solutions and solve the problems that are there.
1: I love it. That's a great answer. So Grace, if anyone listening today wanted to connect with you for whatever reason, what would be the best way for them to get in touch?
0: I would say call the office. We've got a website. Just look up Green Country Aircraft and ask for grace.
1: Awesome. Well, I hope to see you at some conferences and trade shows this year and obviously uh, meet the team at Green Country Aircraft. We're psyched to have you on board with paperless parts, but uh, even more psyched to watch your trajectory. Uh, And I I thought it was worth noting at the very end of the episode here that listeners might be surprised to learn that Grace is only 21 years old. And uh, she's obviously an incredibly impressive and accomplished young woman. And you should all keep an eye on her career path because it's only going up from here. I'm expecting to see some big things from you, Grace, so no pressure.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay.
1: You're an inspiration, and I'm really glad we got to share your story today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. The Women of American Manufacturing Podcast is brought to you by Paperless Parts. Paperless Parts empowers job shop and contract manufacturers to modernize and grow using the company's secure, ITAR-compliant, cloud-based estimating platform. The software streamlines manufacturers' existing workflows by combining business process automation tools and a proprietary geometric pricing engine to power configurable formulas that drive estimating consistency and accuracy. The platform integrates with ERP systems to level up front office business operations and customer communication, and enables more efficient responses to RFQs for a variety of manufacturing processes including sheet metal fabrication, CNC machining, and additive manufacturing. Over 1 million files have been uploaded and analyzed through the platform to support the estimating process for manufacturers providing components and assemblies for the aerospace and defense, medical, semiconductors, and industrial sectors. Privately funded by manufacturing industry experts, Paperless Parts was founded in 2017 and is headquartered in Boston. You can learn more at www.paperlessparts.com.